Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 53 of the NTS podcast. Uh, and we're here with the NLC's top vlogger, uh, through me this week. Um, I said that to Tom, actually. I said, Tom, you've got the vlogger guy coming on. He said, oh, what, Vandetto? I said, no, <laughs> no. And he goes, and then, oh, and then, and then, oh Officer God. Naughty. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, it's neither of those. So it is Froomey. Uh, Froomey, welcome back. The the record appearance holder. I think this is the fourth time now. Yeah, I think um, I think that puts me ahead of Turok by one. So you'll have <laughs> yeah, to get it back on at the end. I'm sure you will. <laughs> Next week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll tie it back up. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me back anyway. No worries. And uh, I, I did actually have a check, so I was, wasn't sure exactly when it was last time you were on. Uh, it was back in September, so we kind of work away from there. So that was basically just after the split had finished. I think we had you on to talk about EU Masters. I think it was as yeah. that was going on. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can basically just start from after that, which was obviously then the f- the full open, um, yep. which is probably a nice one to talk about because you guys won it. But um, just oh, as- well, everyone would have you believe that Riddle won it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we have the trophy at the end of the day. It's a collaborative effort. Is that definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then, how did you maybe talk us through actually getting that roster? So I imagine there wasn't much roster building involved. Like you say, it was literally just Riddle's um, team. Well. Uh, a lot of people have got like different opinions on how it came about, but I'll, I'll put those to bed. Um, so we were looking to build the roster, but the the NFL, uh, not the NFL, the the NLC Fall Open, um, just sort of caught us off guard. Like they were like, oh, by the way, this is happening. If you mm. remember, like the old Forger Champions, we want to do that again, but a Nordic version, like a a Nordic UK version. And we were like, okay, fair enough. And then I said to Jeff, like, how much budget do you want to put into this? And he goes, well, if we put any budget in, it's going to come out of what we're putting in for spring and i was like okay so originally we were just gonna take part for the sake of taking part we did a few trials and then we were struggling to get players on board and i think it was jeff who said oh i'll rise just put out a tweet saying he's a left team maybe just have a conversation with him and i said you know what jeff fair enough i will um and i got talking to him and he was like oh i I want a good roster and i was like well what's happening with the rest of the lads i thought you'd be going in as riddle and then they're like I know, but Riddle's got this team now for the Norwegian League, so they can't have another one for the uh, the Fall Open because they're all under contract and they're going to be going into the uh, NLC Fall Open with them. So I said, what are the rest of the lads doing then? And he said, well, we were thinking about going in as a five, but we were going to go in teamless. Um, but it turns out you need an org behind you. So we were quite conflicted at the start because we still had like Jadron under contract, we had Flipper under contract I think we had Denbox under contract so we had a word with them and Jadron was like oh, I, I'm busy at the minute with work, I don't mind being a sub mm-hmm. uh, the same was for KDO, he was still there as well so we put them on the main team as subs mm-hmm. and then I said to Flipper and Denbox look, oh, we'll help you build another roster with up and coming talent if you guys still want to play which ended up being the Barrage Academy roster, you know we still had Akers on the books so he was like pushing to to be playing at the NLC level so we thought okay this is a good time to test him so we put him in with them uh and then we just got Yepahow and Denvoxnay you're welcome London um <laughs> we, we put them together and realized it was actually a really good duo um and then we brought in Lurks at mid as well and we made that the academy roster unfortunately it didn't didn't make it in it, I think it drew Dusty in in both times it tried mm-hmm. to get in Dusty obviously were pushing towards winning the whole thing as well under Vandetto um, but yeah, I, I had a talk with Rye and he said, okay, let's, let's bring the five in. I said like, you know, we'll give you all of the prize money. We, you, we, we can scrim at your leisure kind of thing. Like there's no, no, nothing on the org side that we're not going to force you into anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just said, yeah. 
and we said fine. I, me and Jeff were a bit conflicted. We were like, are we just going to be seen as Riddle? Are we just going to be seen as like, you know, we've done no work? And I said to Jeff, like, it's either we pick up this team or we are going to lose to it to someone else who does. And yeah, someone's going to pick that team yeah. up, let's be honest. like. Yeah, so I, I said to Jeff, like, we might as well get a trophy out of it if we're not looking to put any money in. And then we just agreed to pick him up. And, you know, it was a good decision overall. A lot of memes have come out of it. But at the end of the day, <laughs> the trophy is sitting in pride and place above Jeff's bed. So, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, we had it's it, to you know we had Maxi on last week, obviously, and he said yeah. that obviously it was the first thing he'd won. So it's like it actually meant quite a lot to him for actually to actually yeah. add something on Liquipedia saying you know this is a first place thing and stuff. So. Originally, I was unsure about how the lads at the time were gonna were gonna treat it, but they actually did want to win it. I remember Wendelbo and Rye saying like, "Look, we need we need to win something. Like we deserve something." So they actually did put a lot of effort in. Mm. And they did scrim quite hard. It was interesting listening to scrim to Danish, but it was it was quite hypey. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it was the first thing that they'd won. They took it seriously, um, and it, it was a pleasure to to work with a roster of that quality because they were they were bloody good. Mm-hmm. I imagine like, like... like most of them are as well. Like now, mm-hmm. especially. Yeah, you look at what some of them have gone on to do. Maxi's obviously um, playing with Fnatic. I think Doxy's tearing it up in the Italian league. Felt a bit sorry for Rai having to drop down. I was surprised he didn't yeah. get any decent offers. But he's he's in a really good roster now that's going to push to get into the NLC. Um, Sankok's obviously back in academy after that. And Wendell Bo, I think, is doing quite well in, in the Greek League now. I think he ended up being in. Which, again, is a surprise. But um, it's nice to see that they're all having good good splits mm. individually. So when, like, if, like, Sankok's back in the NLC, it'd be, like, made by Barrage and yeah we did it all yeah we did (laughs) (laughs) no i mean the the time with us was brief i think like the org got what they wanted out of it and the players got what they wanted out of it everyone was happy um and it was good to work with them and and meet some some good players Mm -hmm. and then kind of around about that that time then um i I think it was around about then when the the sort of barrage na thing started happening as well so when the like sort of amateur NA side um, where like a few more of those tournaments have started happening. So yeah, what was the thing behind that? Well, who's, whose idea was it? I imagine Serza was probably heavily involved. So yeah, I've, I've had links to NA going all the way back to Andy Bendy, who's actually the one who introduced me to Serza and said like, wow. you know, there's, there's this coach who's, who's not getting a look in in NA and he's looking to break into EU. And then I interviewed Serza and I, you know, I thought it was a, a fantastic fit. And then as, as time's gone on, we brought in more NA staff. Like we were working with Lucian as well, who was an assistant coach for our, our first split in uh, in the UKLC where we had Serza. So the one where we came third before the NLC. Um, and then Lucian wanted to go back to NA. So, so we obviously let him go back to NA. And then they came back to us when, I don't know how much you know about the amateur circuit in North America, but it's completely been revamped. And now there's going to yeah. be a thing called the Proving Grounds where the top amateur teams get to play against the academy teams from uh, NA Academy. And Lucian was like, there's nothing to stop Barrage putting an org in there. Like we've got we've got plenty of staff and they said that they could they know the player base really well and they could put together a good team that could go for it. And we were just like, Yeah, why not? If you guys are happy to do that, you know, we'll back you. And it's turned out to be a fantastic decision on multiple fronts, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I was looking at kind of like the results as well. Like, you know, it's not been it's not like a team which has been like linguishing, you know, it's stuff like that. You know, it's actually been competing quite well in in that amateur scene. And is it is it funny that kind of like a 
an organization with EU roots seems to be doing well in what is an amateur system? Or do you think that's just because <laughs> people are used to it? You know, like that because EU teams and amateur teams, like it's such like it's so people are so used to it in kind of EU and stuff. So maybe it is like because there's a different approach going to NA. I don't I think... know, but it, it is very well. I think the way that we've been working in the ERLs and Barrage has been in like the ERLs for a long time now, it kind of gives us that experience to know how to do it at the amateur level. And we've got some staff over there that are very experienced in amateur. Um, and some of them have been with LCS orgs like Serza was with Optic and uh, before that with the United in, in Challenger Series. So we've got an excellent staff to back them, uh, plus the knowledge that we have of how the ERLs work and team building can, can be done. Um, but I think it's just rubbing salt in the wounds a little bit. Like there's EU greater than an A and then there's an EU team going over there and going, <laughs> yeah, and watch this. We're just going to tear it up on no money. <laughs> we'll show you how it's done. Um, but yeah, the lads have been doing fantastic. Um, the team that Lucian and Serza and Return, the analyst, managed to put together is actually incredibly strong. A lot of um, A lot of players that have just been overlooked or dropped out of NA Academy for whatever for whatever reason, whether that be a stigma or just teams didn't fancy them. So we've sort of got we've got a team of the rejects <laughs> and now they're actually performing really, really well. I think they dropped out of the first tier one, but I know that they were absolutely knackered going into that series against C9 Amateur. The amount of games mm-hmm. they play over there in comparison to us, you know, we've we've got a ten game regular season. I think they've played I think Lucian whipped out the statistics book and we've we've played like 47 competitive games over oh there God. now. Um, so they've got a little bit of downtime, but the next T1 tournament's coming up. And um, if they win that... Is it, is it top four, isn't it? I think it yeah. goes into... Scouting it's top ground. four, but I think it's the... Um, I think the ninth and 10th place academy teams actually drop into this tournament as well. In the previous one, it was... Um, it was seventh and eighth because I remember TSM Academy were were in there mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I think it's the the top six from NA Academy actually get to qualify instantly, and then seventh and eighth get like three chances to get back in. Ninth and tenth get two chances to get back in, and I think it's like at minimum six amateur teams go through, but it could be up to mm-hmm. could be up to ten. But it's I, I think a few of the I think the academy teams already requalified for the tournament, so. You know, we we can expect at least eight amateur teams competing to try and get in. So, do you think uh, that? Uh, do you think that kind of like you've been gaining kind of more of a fan following then? But in like doing this kind of America experiment, you know, is it been weird kind of seeing people <laughs> respond, or has it been like negative? You know, sometimes oh, no. it might be. No, no, it's gone down really, really well. I think I, I was actually quite cautious in that respect because I was like, are we going to be like hated because we're the EU all coming in? But actually, it's been kind of revitalizing, like. A lot of the uh, like the NA version, the '96 podcast and stuff like that, have been uh, getting in contact to get like Jeff on or or Lucy on to just talk about it, and it's been received quite well. And now it's sort of like Barrage 24 Hour because um, <laughs> whenever whenever we're playing in NA, I wake up to return to having control of the social media, and it's just you know S post after S post <laughs> of um, Barrage memes. Um, so yeah, it is kind of like Barrage Twenty Four Hour, and if anything, it's 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 bumped us up in terms of our fan base. Like we've definitely increased our following off of it, and it's nice to have representation in multiple regions. I think now. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it like then with the like with, kind of with the contract situation? Because obviously, it's not like just a couple of splits where, like at the moment, you know, most players would be on for a split contract, or or is it? Or is it sort of mainly for spring and then just whatever tournaments are involved? 
Um, well, they're all registered on the GCD, but it is just for, oh. for one split at the minute, and then it's renegotiation. That was the deal we had with them. Okay, cool. Um, when that roster was being built, then, was there like any consideration to get like one of these like veteran players as well? Because I, when I was just looking through some of the tournaments, there were like some actual like proper big names that are playing in them as well that have pretty much just even dropped down from LCS. Um, or was yeah. it just something where you kind of wanted to sort of actively wanted to look at those the people that maybe were overlooked? Because I know when we had Serza on before, he kind of spoke then about there being like plenty of talent that that isn't getting a look in for LCS. So was that maybe sort of the, more of the plan? Well, if you look at, I think it's Solar Fide, they put in a hell of a lot mm-hmm. of money and they've got like Zazel, Apollo, Dokla, yeah. uh, Tuesday and Firefire, I think there are the two which are not as known. But um, yeah, definitely some veterans have dropped down and actually are interested in playing in amateur. I don't know whether that's for the money or they just want to play to get back into the LCS. But um, we don't necessarily have LCS veterans on our roster, but I, I know that Pycake Lord, the top laner, and Winter the Support are two established players who have like, touch challenger series slash been an amateur for a long time they've been to proving grounds quite a lot i think winter holds the record amount of appearances in like the na scouting grounds <laughs> um so so they're kind of like the veterans of the roster and then you have the younger lads like um always plan ahead and uh fanatic in the jungle and uh Garico, who was just let go by uh golden guardians um and these are sort of the younger lads that have been like it comes back to that stigma of once academy rejects you and throws you out no one wants to touch you, even though they they don't know the story about why you've been let go or they haven't been able to see you play. It's just like, all right, they didn't fancy him. We don't fancy him either. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have sort of picked up this band of misfits, either veterans that no one wants to touch because of their age or young players that have been let go early from academy. And we built a, a really solid roster out of it. And Lucian's a fantastic coach. Like he, he fits in with the rest of them. And he is an incredible motivator for the young players. Um, and that's what's getting the best out of them at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's I think it's really good as well to kind of see like at least a, a, a system being developed in NA. Like for example, I kind of look at a play like Senkux. Like yeah. if kind of we had like the NA system, which it previously was in EU, I don't think Senkux yeah. would ever be anywhere near uh, an LCF quality. And now he's on an academy roster. He's developed. He he took that ride up. He went through the you know the amateur semi pro scene, well more like the semi pro scene, and kind of worked his way up that that way. So yeah, you know, I'm glad to see that in NA. I've been I've been quite vocal with how like once a player hits 21, you know they start to treat them like they're 35, 40, and they're, <laughs> they're finished and they don't have anything to contribute. You know, like Senkux is what he's only like 20, 24 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. I, if you're telling me that someone at 24 still can't learn and improve and learn new skills and, and has lost all of their reflexes, then mm-hmm. like, what are you on? <laughs> I mean, they've still got, they've still got plenty of time to learn and get back into the game. And plus they've got that experience behind them as well. Like if anything, that just makes them a more rounded player who's still able to improve. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in a year we're good at gambling on bringing back older players mm-hmm. who can still contribute towards teams. And we have seen players make their way back up. Like I know you guys talk about Dan almost like every week on the podcast, but Dan has only just broken into the LEC. Like it's his debut season apart from, I think, no, he didn't even make an LEC appearance with Fnatic. That yeah. was in uh, MSI, Rift wasn't Rivals. it? Rift uh, Rivals, it was. Yeah, it was Rift Rivals against, yeah. Um, and, and he's just breaking in and he's been... He's been LEC ready since he was on Fnatic Academy, really. Um, and that's something that we do differently in EU to NA is we don't have the age stigma as much. I saw it creep in a little bit more this split, but 
I still don't think we're anywhere near the way that NA just looks at anyone who's over the age of 20 and says, no, we do not want them for our academy. Mm -hmm. I think as well for people who kind of even don't know, like Oduamne, even from like an LEC perspective, you look at Oduamne, Oduamne is probably the best he's played ever. And he's he's like 26, 27. That's because of development. Definitely since HGK, yeah. But um, I always thought he was one of the better players on that Schalke roster, to be honest. Um, but Oduwamne has always been like one of those players that you can look at and go, yeah, he's solid. He's one of the best top laners in the league. And he is up there as one of the best top laners that Europe's ever had. So to just chuck players away because you fancy taking on a 19-year-old rookie, like that 19-year-old rookie might be the next best thing since sliced bread. But, you know, sometimes you need that experience. And to think that players under the age of 30 still can't improve their skills is a joke. Like, they've got plenty of time. Mm-hmm. I think it's like maybe where you said about it, that kind of creeping into Europe this this year, maybe. I think it's kind of like people getting a bit swept up with like EU Masters and stuff with like the Mad Lions roster and things and Rogue promoting all their players. I think it's kind of, yeah. they see like some people have the success with it and and then kind of go from one end a bit more to the other end now of just everyone trying to pick, well, not everyone, but a lot of teams trying to pick up more rookies just because they, they think that it's going to work for them as well. And I don't know, maybe just something that eventually will sort of even itself out a bit. But it's funny you say, especially with LCS, like player someone like Solo, like I feel like it's um, ends up a free agent like every year, and then it's like last couple of years where someone's eventually not been doing too well, picked him up. He's then like the oldest player in the league, and then he's actually good. And and I think it was like yep. FlyQuest last year would like kind of carried him into playoffs a bit. So it is really weird there because especially as well, what you say like when a player in LCS kind of gets a chance, and if even if it is at academy level, and then it they don't look all that amazing, then they're just cut off forever. Like it's, it's just weird. Like there's no concept that someone could maybe not be good enough now and then improve later on as well. It's um, yeah, a bit of a strange. Yeah, but I, that's why I'm delighted that they brought in something like the Amateur Project, which is probably the closest they're going to get to the ERLs without completely dissolving yeah. Academy and maybe making some group system or something. But um, the Amateur system kind of allows these players who have been wrongfully chucked out of the LCS or LCS Academy system to go, right, let's build a team and let's show them what we've got. And that's what you're seeing with the likes of like Solafide or No Org that used to be a new, which is another roster with like mm-hmm. Ander on it and Viper on it, who are these players that have been chucked out as well. Like these are good players who could still play like in Academy at, at worst or, or pushing the LCS level. I know that a lot of Academy teams want to develop players, but I haven't seen good development from... NA Academy, really. Like, I haven't seen many players make the step up. And now they're talking about removal of the import rule to try and improve them again. Like, and the, the worst thing is I can see that happening. I, I can see it happening because you've got to remember, like, the LCS offices in... Uh, no, the Riot offices in California are, like, basically opposite the studios for a reason. Like, the LCS is their pride and joy. And if the LCS is struggling, they're going to want to make it the, the most entertaining league possible. So that I, I could honestly see them removing the import rule. And then at that point, what's the point? Mm-hmm. What's the point in having regional yeah. leagues if there's a place which has no import rules attached? Yeah. What's the point in the ERLs where we have to have a certain amount of players from our region? Uh, it just makes no sense. So hopefully that doesn't go through and NA just buckles down and realize they have to do something at more of a grassroots level um, rather than just say, you know, we're going to have a, a league full of EU, we're going to have the LEC too, basically. It would seem like a weird like weird timing for it as well, literally just after they do like the whole amateur revamp, and it looks like they're actually putting a bit of effort into it, and then yeah. the owners just kind of like twist their arm and, and just get it 
change. But then I wonder maybe, if, I don't know, if the import rule comes in, maybe the, the amateur would get like more of a cult following of the people that still want to see NA players. Maybe that'll help Mirage. Maybe maybe in that sense, yeah, but it does feel like from the LCS org's perspective that it's sort of like one step forward with the whole mm-hmm. progression of amateur and then two steps backwards. We've mm-hmm. spent too much money. We want to get these players out and we want to just import. You know, they didn't need to spend that money, but it was just sort of a... a it was just sort of a competition between the orgs to drive up prices and we can spend more than you and this player's worth this much. And now even EU players who are going to NA, the only reason they really want to go to NA is like they can pay me loads of money and I can have the LA life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and and they've kind of done that to themselves. There was no reason that the uh, LCS had to get into to that big of a bid, bidding war or spending that much wages. Like, wasn't it something ridiculous? Like, Dignitas spent almost like two-thirds of their budget on, on Huni one season. <laughs> um, like, why, why did you need to do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's the orgs that have sort of dug themselves into this hole and now they're looking to put pressure on Riot to get them out of it. No, really. It's funny as well because I don't think it is a player problem. I I don't think it's actually too. I think it is more of a financial issue that they're having to pay these extortionate prices for players. Because you look at the LCS now, and obviously it's a small pool, but the second one of the second best teams tied second is a full NA organization. So it, it kind of proves that you can do it. Like Dignitas have got a full American team in yeah. in, in that roster. Yeah. So there is like there is ways of doing it. There is ways of kind of developing talent as well, which could hopefully cause more of that but with the import rule i think it's more of a financial thing it is more of a well we're because we're wanting to bring imports in we're now having to spend six million seven million to bring them in because yeah. it's the only way to bring them in yeah and no, i'm delighted to see dignitas going well i think everyone looked at that roster at the start of the season and just wrote them off of playoffs instantly and now they're what i know they're tied for second with is it it's team liquid and tsm they're tied with mm-hmm. and i think i think so 100 thieves and evil geniuses are sort of like snatching at their heels as well but like, they're in for a very good shot of making the playoffs. You know, it's a full American roster. And it just goes to show that there is talent within your region if you look hard enough. Like, don't be lazy. Use the academy projects as you should, where you're picking up where you're picking up players that are either falling back out that can come back in uh, and mixing that up with a, a variety of young talents. And you can push these players into the LCS and make your region good. You don't need to cut corners. We don't cut corners in a U. Korea, like, could you imagine taking the import rule off Korea, how that would affect them. It wouldn't. It wouldn't affect Korea and China, would it? Um, I think it would f- affect Korea, because I feel like China would take quite a few is the, is the, <laughs> the unfortunate thing. Yeah, like, is... I, I feel like that's the thing. I don't think Korea wants this import rule going, because you, we don't want to... They, they probably don't want another Korean exodus happening, which is what I mean, probably would happen with LPL. That is true, that is true, but it, it just goes to show, you know, like... If they were going to take the rules off, like just just make an LCS like that just just holds like every every player across the world can join the LCS and that's it. It's only one one league because what's the point in having regional leagues if you're not going to have import rules, you know? And I think the just take it back to kind of like Europe as a whole, like like when I see uh, it in in the L- uh, LEC, I it feels like odd seeing kind of a career now in the LEC. That never used to be the case. Like, you used to see it near enough in every team at, at some point. You know, but now, like, because we're so used to developing our talent, that actually, and I think that Hirit actually coming in, is, I'm not, there's no flame on him. I actually think he's really, really good. It's you know, but it's like, yeah, yeah. It, I think it's just, it's interesting to kind of see, like, it is very much now cultural 
uh, built talent, but it took time. It wasn't something that happened within a season. It took ages to kind of get that ball rolling. We have had we have had Koreans in in EU in the past, but I think in in EU it's um it's strange because we we've had a lot of Koreans come in and not do well. I mean, mm. I think Wadid came in for a bit. He did all right with G two and then left. I think one of the main ones I remember from G2 is an AD carry called Emperor, who everyone thought Emperor was going to be fantastic. Like, oh my god, I can't believe G2's picked up Emperor. And he never really did anything. Um, Expect is a is one that was around for a long time. Obviously, we had Tricked in Jungle as well. So we have had Koreans, but it, it's dropped down. I think that was another thing we were trying to do in terms of copying NA when we really didn't need to, because we have our own talent here in EU. Um, was that everyone got overhyped about the Korean imports, thinking that oh, you can just bring in two Koreans and all of a sudden your team goes from being like a bottom end to a top end, which which has never really been the case in Europe. And I think that's because as the LEC has sort of broken off into its own thing and the development's improved, especially with the ERLs becoming as prominent as they are mm-hmm. and we're just constantly like, we, we've become like this Hydra where NA can chop off one of our heads by taking a player and then like two more sprout in its place. <laughs> and it, it's like, we're always going to be better than you because our system is just stronger than yours is at the minute at developing our talent. Um, and since that's come in, we've realized, okay, we don't necessarily need to import. We've got the players right here at home. They already know the language. They're not going to cost us as much. Um, and, and they're like for like, in terms of their Korean counterparts, like hit Ritz, a, a slightly different case. Like he did come through the ERLs. Like he's, he yes, was with yeah. LDLC for a long time. So you know, that, that is, it's not like we've just snatched him straight out of, I don't know, KT Rolster's reserve team and brought him over. Um, mm-hmm. So the majority of the talent, even those that are imported, have still been through the ERLs. Yeah, because I was thinking so, that as well. When you say about Korean imports, I don't think there's that many of them, maybe apart from like Gorilla, that actually come through as like massive well-known players still. Even then it's like, when you think back to the first ones of like Huni and Rainover came from like SKT's like... Uh, like academy teams basically so even then yeah. it's like um i think synergy mentioned it earlier obviously it's not a korea one but like sword art going to tsm for six million yeah, a year like europe yeah. never did ones like that that's just ridiculous so um they've always even to an extent sort of developed it a bit themselves but then yeah like well, you say don't even really need to at this point why would you spend six million on sword art when you can spend far 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 less on just bringing over like an experience support like treats for example on sk gaming who is still <laughs> who tsm been... literally had um, exactly, right exactly. but and now they're looking at treats probably like i know they have sword art for six million but there's no way treats is costing sk six million and i'd fancy sk against tsm in any matchup to be honest mm-hmm. um so yeah, it has been a case of sometimes when the Koreans have come over to EU, they've they've struggled. I don't know whether it's a cultural thing or what, or perhaps a language barrier. Um, we've seen it in NA where they've not necessarily been prominent. I think the most successful duo that came over to EU from Korea was um, Huni and Rainover. Mm-hmm. And they still didn't want to stick around that quickly with Fnatic. They went over to NA for the money. And they've never really quite hit that stride again. So I don't know whether it's a cultural difference or what, but like it's like as soon as they leave career and come come to the west they sort of slowly start falling off the pace and that might not necessarily be because we're a worse region or whatever it just might be a cultural shock that that affects them in that sense mm-hmm. and and as well like talking about kind of the prominence of eu as a whole now um just this last week in broadcast brought it's brought up every week now eu masters 
you know, kind of like, here's an update of what's happening in the leagues. Like, you know, the broadcast themselves are bringing it up. They're pushing this, you know, even more because they know that, you know, the the more eyes they can get on it, the more development it also it also creates. You know, it's it's brilliant. You don't see that. I mean, hopefully we might see that in in the LCS broadcast in the yeah. future, but you know, maybe. I think the LEC's caught on as well. Well, maybe not necessarily caught on. This is probably the plan they had all along. Was that the players that do well at EU Masters could very well be in the LEC next season? It creates that narrative. Chakolad, he's, he's he was on AGO Rogue, and now look at him. He's he's tearing it up on XL, um, and it creates that narrative like. Larson came from, you know, runner-up in EU Masters to all of a sudden being on Rogue Academy and then put into Rogue, and now look how well he's doing. Um, even like uh, self-made, like oh, like even like yeah. self-made started yeah. EU Masters and now look at him, one of the best junglers there. We could go through all day and pick out how yeah, many yeah, players exactly. in EU Masters and and then bring brought up into the LEC, and I think it, it it makes it even more of a reason to watch EU Masters, and that's why they're pushing it. Like, come and see who's going to be the next talent, and then by the time they move into the LEC the the viewership already knows who these players are and they kind of root for them more like i want to see chocolate do well i want to see kazi do well i know who these are from their time on big clan or whatever when they won it like he looked really really good i'm excited to see this player mm-hmm. and i think they've been pushing that more and more and you know i love it when they they talk about the erls on broadcast because it's like it highlights just how many good players there are in the league below ready to make the step up to the lec you know 10 teams in comparison to the I don't know, like the the sixty or seventy ish that are in the ERLs. Like, there's so many players playing in the next level below that could be on the LEC in the next split. Like, and I think they... as well is that some people are forgetting the fact that, like, we're getting to a point, and obviously with every region, uh, it's a little bit different. But there are some regions who are completely sustainable, kind of being in an ERL to at least the point where they're like. You know, they're making money off like sponsorships and things like that, where it's at least a little bit more of a commercial success than what it was a few years ago. I, I kind of look at like Vodafone Giants is probably like, for me, the standout. They've always done good at kind of marketing themselves. I guess it does help with the fact that Giants Gaming was was like an, you know, was like, you know, an LEC team prior to franchising and stuff like that. But like the whole region is developing as well and becoming more professional. I'd agree. However, the ERLs becomes more and more expensive to run each year. And that's because... Mm. Players that are sort of dropping down still want bigger paychecks because that's what they're used to. And players that are moving up are getting bid on more. So all of a sudden you get this inflation where players are asking for more wages each year. And I know, especially from Barrage's standpoint, it's become more expensive to run as, as time goes on. Um, obviously, the sponsorship does increase and we, we have incentives from the league to try and help like keep us afloat in that sense and keep the quality of the league the same as it is. But other super teams come in all the time, which all of a sudden have loads of money, and then dr- that drives inflation up. I think the one I remember the most is um, a few, going back a few years now when I when I joined Diablos, like um, the amount of money they were putting in front of me w- was like, oh, we can we can offer like five hundred pound a player, which at the time was mental. Mm-hmm. Like being able to offer players five hundred quid when I'm used to offering them like a, a trip to land when I was an enclave, <laughs> uh, and that that was it. And even then, they'd maybe have to meet us halfway on some of the pricing. <laughs> um, you know, that, that was madness. And now it's like £500 for a player. Oh, that's nothing. That's quite cheap. And that just goes to highlight the shift from like back end 2017, early 2018 to 2021. Mm-hmm. And now that's like 500 quid for a player in an ERL is actually relatively cheap these days. 
So each year we get inflation because of players dropping down from the LEC who still want to play. They still want big wage packets. You know, players are getting used to being put on more and more money. And obviously, as time goes on, they want more money for playing as well. So each year we do see that inflation. So it's hard to to make the judgment of when are we actually like at a deficit. Like I, I can tell you now, Barrage doesn't really profit off being in, mm. in the NLC, apart from the fact that we get screen time and we're in a big league. So sponsors like us being in that league but it just kind of helps us hold on to our sponsors and open doors with new sponsors, but we're not, we're not generating a profit off the NLC at the minute. And I'd and, be surprised if any team in the league is really. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it is kind of that balance as well as like, you know, the league has also got to kind of develop alongside the, the player base. And, you know, it's not just like ERLs shouldn't just be like a, a player development system. It's also a league development system. It's a team development system. It it should be, it's all encompassing because it's an ecosystem. And without yeah. kind of all of these three growing together, you know, it the, if the balance falls off, it, it can become a problem. Yeah. And it's, it's not necessarily about the money with us either. Like we enjoy yeah. being a part of the competition and, uh, you know, our goal is always to just try and finish as high up as possible rather than make a profit. Like as long as we're not at a massive deficit, you know, then we're, we're still always like, Okay, let, let's just try and get barrage up as high as we can for for our sake and for the organization's mm -hmm. sake. Like seeing it as an investment into the future, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And it definitely has been an investment. We have managed to get sponsors in off the back of, you know, making the NLC was a big one. We managed to get Steel Series involved, and that was one of our biggest deals so far. Um, and that was off the back of positive results. So we just got to keep at it in that regard, I suppose. And I imagine that's a similar goal for a lot of orgs. Though we have seen orgs sort of take a step back and go, I, we don't want to invest as much in this anymore. It's not, it's not worth it, and then sort of start to fall off the next season as a result. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's probably a good point then to sort of move it uh, into the NLC and start talking about um, what's been going on in the spring split. So just even when it came to like the off season and, and building a team, then was there? Well, I, I kind of wondered without obviously having to sort of lay it out too plainly, but what what Barrage's budget was kind of like compared to normal because I, I think you guys are usually quite vocal about being one of the the sort of lower budget teams yeah um, but then um, you put together a pretty strong squad at the same time where like you're saying some teams are struggling a bit you know we saw people at like Ents even dropping out and saying it was because of sort of money issues around coronavirus and stuff so what was it like with Barrage? Yeah so actually I, I had a chat with Jeff at the start of the year and I was like we cannot keep going on the budget we're going otherwise we are eventually going to go through the trapdoor like it, we can't do miracle after miracle. Like mm. uh, coming fifth slash sixth in summer last year, that was a miracle. Like with the money we had, we had one of the worst budgets, if not the worst budget. I think the only team that put in less than us was potentially Godsent because they didn't want to put anything in, and they just managed to pick up a roster that qualified for Danish league and bring in they, a group. They had a miracle beyond a miracle. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So, so to come fifth sixth with that roster was a was a miracle. I mean, they were good players. But the fact that we managed to get that roster, like that wasn't going to happen every time. And I said to Jeff, like, we, we can't keep being this team that just put something together because eventually we are going to get it wrong or these players are not going to become available or it's just going to keep getting inflated. So so fair play to Jeff. He said, look, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, and, uh, and Rocket League was, the Rocket League team was, um, some of the players were sold off as well. Um so Jeff said, okay, it, it's got, probably going to be our only eSport next season. So, you know, thanks to him, he put his hand in his pocket and he, he gave us a bit more money. Um, I still think I was looking at the teams today and I was trying to think, okay, were we one of the biggest budgets in the league? And I think we were still like the team with the eighth biggest budget. 
But I think because of the staff that we've got, we have bigger aspirations because we know that we've proven that we can build good rosters on less money. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Jeff did give us a bigger budget. Um, I think things were still looking quite good for us on the, on the roster building side. But the minute that Ent said that they weren't weren't going, like I was I was on the phone to Kevo the same day saying I'll sign today, son. I'll, I'll bring you back now. And um, yeah, so we we ended up bringing in Kevo and Zephyr as a as a duo bot. Um, it made sense for us. Like they were preparing to play under Ents that season. We were looking for a steady bot lane. I think. You know, the NLC is quite good in terms of its AD carries. Like, I think it's probably the most saturated role of promising talent. Like, you've got Kevo, you've got Achu, you've got Bean, you've got Chrisberg. Um, the list goes on. Um, mm-hmm. Dragdar, another one that's sort of come up. I still think M-Test, who's, who's on Godsent, is is a bit of a hidden gem. Like, he's he's a steady journeyman AD carry as well. Um, and you've seen, like, players like Snurmy making their way up as well and proving they can do it. Charlie Orr is a good AD carry. Mm-hmm. But support... It's so much harder to get. Like, Prosfair, obviously, a good support, but, you know, he, he ended up on Singularity. Not saying that we went for him. We didn't necessarily go for Prosfair, but we were looking. I'm just using him as an example. But Sefer ticked all of our boxes, and if he was going to still be on Ents, then I think we would have struggled to bring in a support of his quality because it's one of the hardest roles. I think top and support are probably the hardest roles to fill in the roster. Um, we got quite lucky that... Dusty decided not to go with some of the players they were going to go with, although that did that did mess us about with one player. Um, but we did manage to get Mummus and Random as a result because Mummus and Random were originally going to be on Dusty, and mm-hmm. then they decided to pivot their plans. So we ended up with a few players left on the market. We managed to put a good roster together, and I think it's one of the best rosters I've ever worked with. It's a shame we didn't quite hit the goal we wanted to hit for whatever reason, but um, I'm sure we'll talk about that more in depth mm-hmm. in a bit. But... Um, I want to kind of know, really, like off the bat, like with Kevo and, and Sefa, like, like how how much time was it? Like as soon as the announcement was made, that you kind of knew that that was that you could do that, because because that was so like late. That was so late in in the kind of like the the day, you know, of kind of these two becoming available. I, I, it yeah. shocked a lot of people when Entz was just like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we're just not going to do it anymore, and all these contracts have gone. You know, so, like how was it? Was it quite late? So we were told probably a day or two before the announcement, mm. I think. And obviously, Ents couldn't just say to the players like, "You can't look at new jobs." So yeah, yeah. Kevo had come to me and he'd said, "Look, I, I don't know if you know, um, you'll probably get an email later today, but Ents is folding uh, in league, and we're basically going to be free agents." And I, I think the first thing I said to him was, "You me Discord call now." <laughs> and um, I talked to him, and it, it, was, it was awkward because Kevo obviously was distraught, and I'm just sitting there like, I'm so sorry, mate. <laughs> I'm so sorry that this has happened to yeah. you. Um, but no, I, I was good for him. Like it, it was, it was a stable job for him there, essentially, and they were obviously going to be paying quite decent wages. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I knew that I was about to get a really good AD carry for my organization, and and Kevo's one of those AD carries which guarantees you two or three carries a season, two or three one mm-hmm. nine performances a season so that you, you know you're going to get wins having Kevo on your roster. Um, so we were notified a couple of days before. We were in talks with a couple of AD carries over the season, um, but uh, they, they, they fell through for whatever reason. So it just happened to kindly fall into our laps. Mm-hmm. Kevo was always going to be our first choice if he was a free agent just because we'd, we'd work with him in the split uh, in spring 20, yeah. 2020. 
and you know i love the lad he, he's such a nice guy to just have around the team because he's he's hilarious um whilst also guaranteeing you two or three wins a season just on his own and it made sense to bring Sefer in with him. They'd done a split together. Sefer ticks a lot of boxes. You don't know how hard it is to find a support that ticks all of Sirs' boxes. So when we essentially said, look, we'll we'll bring you in for a trial. Um, and we trialed the roster as a five. Everyone just sort of looked at each other and was like, yeah, you know, under the circumstances, this is probably the best roster we can get. Um, and then they all, they all put pen to paper. Very nice. Pretty quick turnover between Ents leaving and us picking up Kevin and Sefer. Yeah. I like the, the it hardest thing... Because... Oh, go on, Lee. Go I was on. just going to say, cause when we had uh, Nina on, I think he even said, like, they, they knew, like, a week before, but then they, like, weren't allowed to talk about it still because they had to kind of wait for the announcement. So even, like, the players literally knew for a week and still couldn't look for teams. It's like... Yeah. Nonsense. So there was the niggling hole, like, we'd already made Kevin an offer and then Kevin was like, okay, but I still want to, like, put out my LFT as soon as Ents say something. And then Ents mm-hmm. dragged their heels in with saying something. And that was frustrating for them. I think Kevo had one other trial with like another org. And then he said, you know what? Barrage have been good to me. So I'll um, I'll just come back and do it here. Because he wasn't going to get much better with how much time they had left, I don't mm-hmm. think. So and it's, and it's good to see kind of at least, you know, well, most of the players anyway, like get picked up in the end. Because it's like... Yeah, it just sucked. It sucked. It was it was a sucky situation for kind of everybody involved there. Yeah, like orgs, orgs really should make their intentions about going into the next split as clear as possible as early as they can. Like I'm sure Ents had reservations about going into another NLC split a lot earlier than when they told the players they weren't going to come in. And you know, if uh, for players like Kevo Zephyr, Nilly, uh, Simply, and Taiki who were mm-hmm. all on the Ents roster, that's their full-time job suddenly gone. Like, they have a facility as well, so all of a sudden they've gone from playing, expecting to play for Ents as a five in a full-time job in a facility to having about a couple of weeks to find a new job or they were going to be, you know, having to, to do something outside of league or coaching or whatever. And most of the teams had already built their rosters, so their chances of getting a good offer was even more limited. I, I don't think we were paying them anywhere near what they were on at Ents. <laughs> we're still giving them, like, you know, in our minds, decent wages, but you know, we weren't able to offer them a facility anymore or mm. anything like that. So all of a sudden, they've gone from that to to less. But I think if Ents would have given them more notice, there was there was even more time for them to find something similar to what they had at Ents. Like a lot of the teams in the NLC, which do have facilities, had already finished their rosters. So it was kind of like. They were almost pigeonholed into taking an offer from Barrage because we were the best offer on the table in the shortest amount of time if they wanted to play. But I think, you know, we were lucky that we had that pre-existing relationship with Kevo because his decision was made a lot easier for him as to which org he was going to go to in the circumstances. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well then, kind of going into the actual games themselves, and obviously it started off pretty well um, with yeah. that game against Fnatic. How how soon before the game did you know that Pride wasn't going to play? Was uh, that quite surprising? About 22 hours before. About 22 hours before. Um, I think without putting words into their mouths, I think what it was was Pride potentially had a competitive ban where he couldn't play two games because that's like the standard. And a lot of players this time had been picking up by the... Uh, they'd been picked up by the checks. So a lot of players were banned for two weeks. Not two weeks, for two games. I think uh, Legions was banned. Uh, Pavkin, who was going to be the original jungler for Riddle, was banned. And it actually ended up hurting him a lot. <laughs> as uh, Sadu ended up being the main jungler in the end. 
Um, and I think Pride was one of those players that was picked up and banned. So, you know, you can say what you want about, you know, Lindgaard being an, an off-roll top laner, but we still hammered Fnatic in that first game. And I don't think, I don't know how much of a difference having Pride in top might have made, but we still thoroughly deserve to win that game and take a win against Fnatic in, in week one. Yeah, I think that was like the kind of general sentiment as well. Like that Lindegaard, they say off Roland, didn't even play that bad. And yeah. then it's, it just seemed like sort of across the board, really, um, that you guys just pretty much smashed him. Yeah. yeah uh, how would Pride have impacted Kevo getting absolutely fed in bot lane? Like, yeah, I, I think I even I think I even brought it up uh, in last week's episode that it was, it was like it wasn't just a, you know, uh, Mummus destroyed top lane. And, you know, that's what they you, know, you, you split push and won. You know, it was like just a domination. It, you you won most most if not all lanes, and you know it was a good look for Barrage, and it was nice to see Barrage kind of pick up momentum early. Because normally, I don't know if you kind of re- thought this anyway, but normally it, it it seems like a development program with Barrage. Sometimes that sometimes it's like, you know, the final footing isn't there, but it looked like it kicked off really well, which was really good for a change. Um... I wouldn't have said that was the case for spring 2020. I think for spring 2020, we started mm. off really well and then pitted out towards the end. Okay, uh, yeah. I'd say you're probably right for the season just gone before this one, um, where we, we really came into our own going into the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I think we had a bu- this season was a bunch of peaks and troughs. Um, but yeah, it was it was great to start on a, a win against Fnatic, and then obviously we went straight into a loss against Singularity the next day. <laughs> and then we went yeah. the next week, and yeah. So. How was it uh, battling? Because like it felt like a lot of it. It was like there was there was Fnatic, and there was like there was still that battle between like you Singularity and, and Barrage, uh, you Singularity and Fnatic. But like, how was it kind of having like three competitive teams like that in in that group? Because you kind of looked on the other side of the group and. There was competitiveness, but more like in the the middle of the pack. But it, it really did feel like for a lot for a lot of that split anyway that it, it was the three teams kind of competing it out, you know, to try and be the best. Was it was it good to yeah. kind of have that competition? Um, so there really was like the top three and bottom three divide where we were kind of looking at Fnatic and Singularity and being like, you know, two of us can only take those buys to go into the upper bracket. Like we just got to mm-hmm. make sure that we're ahead of Singularity most of the time. So losing that first game to him, we were like, okay, it's not it's not the end of the world as long as we don't drop games to the other three. Like we can still keep in touch and get them on the on the next one. Um, so yeah, it did make it very competitive. I think it was fantastic that it wasn't just Fnatic running away with the group again, and there were these teams that could challenge them this time. Um, it ended up being Riddle that managed to take a random game <laughs> because yeah. Charlie Orr just decided that Samira was a fun champion <laughs> and uh, showed just how much of a 1v9 champion that can be. But yeah, it was good to have some competition in the group. And I think we looked at Singularity as our biggest rivals throughout the whole season, where we were like, we we want to be better than them. We want to show that we're better than them. And in the end, I think being better than Singularity was what essentially was our own undoing going into playoffs because i think i think the more i think about it now there's actually there's actually an argument that if you go in as the third seed and you manage to battle your way through as the winners of the the first round of the lower bracket you're almost at an advantage against the team that has dropped down from the upper bracket just based purely on momentum so it potentially hurt us in the end that we were able to beat singularity in that tiebreaker to take to take the bye mm-hmm yeah, because that's what we've obviously seen, isn't it? So Nordavind and Singularity, I think, both got through the lower bracket as well. But um, yeah. 
before we go on to the playoffs too much, I wanted to want ask you what that um what the kind of mood was like after that game. I think it was against Cova, the one where you ended up with like a back door that was just like the most it I think it was the one where you made that the video afterwards just saying like, oh basically like thank God for that. Like it was just a proper messy game and then I think it was a point you were like fighting for Dragon and then and then for some reason they just like all TP'd onto the Drake and then just let Mimus some random TP into their base and win basically. Yeah, Cova. I think Cova is quite a unique team for us, or or the team that we had in the split. Um, because if you look at their roster, they've got three Finns and a Czech player on there. Mm-hmm. So there's there's not just the the battle between the two teams. There's like the mental battle between the players as well. Like Kevo's good friends with Snurmi, and they they all know each other. Like Sefer knows Tatui, Dibu knows all of the Finnish players on there. So there's sort of like they're they're also friends outside of the game. So there's sort of that, that friendly rivalry between them as well. And obviously, random has played against um, uh, oh, what's the middle laner called for for Kova? Per Proker. Um, he's played against them a lot, and random's always been the one who's been like the better of the two. So there's that friendly rivalry between them, which almost causes the game to go into chaos a little bit because that's all <laughs> their minds. And I think that was apparent in both games. Um, so yeah, it was just a crazy back and forth. And then watching that first game, uh, watching that game against Kova, I was sitting there thinking. We really can't afford to lose this after losing to Singularity. Otherwise, we could end up out of touch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we lost the soul and we still managed to come back and win, even though we were we were in control of the game. We lost control of the game and then somehow we managed to just turn it on its head again and then win. Like, the palpitations were going, you know? Like, I was, <laughs> at the end of it, I was just like, Christ, thanks for that. Like, thank God that's over with because that could probably make our season into something good you know it's a 10 game regular split you can't afford to drop games to the bottom three really Mm -hmm. so it was an important win and i think uh another game that i kind of want to talk about a little bit was 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 more like not an important loss but like was a a very entertaining game anyway and that was the second game versus Fnatic. yeah it's like like obviously it must have been frustrating to kind of come out of that and lose that but like did you kind of get a sense of like, well, you know, we've we competed. You took probably Fnatic the hardest, which they've been probably this so far this season. Um, like, what was your thoughts kind of running through that game? Because you know there was a point where it was it was very dominant. Um, I always kind of saw us on the back foot in that game, and I knew that Fnatic now that they were at full strength, like if we gave them too much, that they were going to punish us, and that kind of is what happened. But it was nice to see us not getting absolutely taken to the cleaners by a team at their full strength now. Um, like, Fnatic are a very strong team. Um, and you're you're absolutely right. The fact that we could we could take it to them. Like, the lads were of a firm belief of, okay, we can challenge the academy teams going into playoffs. Like, EU Masters is an attainable goal. We just need to work hard and, and, and just keep going at it in scrims and we can get to that level. So it sort of gave the team a lot of hope that, you know, we, we could go quite far into playoffs and maybe even sneak one of the EU master spots. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of going into playoffs then, obviously you got into the upper bracket, uh, but as second place meant you had to place against first from Group A, which, you know, unsurprisingly was XL. Um, what do you sort of see that happened there then? Because like with Fnatic, like we said, you went one on one and put up good showings against them, but then XL, I don't know, was it maybe just sort of a, you know, they turned up a bit better on the day or something? Because it was, I think, to be honest, a little more one-sided than the games you'd had against Fnatic. Um, 
we were shocked by how well Excel played because the whole week in the build-up, we'd been watching their games and Serza had been pointing out, look, look what they're doing wrong. Marcoon isn't as good as you guys think he is. Like, he's making a lot of mistakes and just getting away with it because he's mm. playing against bad teams in Group A. And then everyone was of that agreement, like, yeah, we can, we can go in, we can beat Excel, And we were confident going in. And then on the day, I don't know whether the lads were a bit nervous or Excel were up for it, we just fell to pieces. And XL really knocked the stuffing out of us. Like, I could tell going in there after game one, like the the lads' heads were down because they were in complete disbelief that a team that we'd been tooting as not as good as they think they are had just absolutely blown us out. <laughs> and that was the biggest loss. Like, we hadn't even lost that hard in scrims before. And we were just thrown back. And then all we said to him is like, look, you've you got to get yourself back into the game and go again. We go again and we get completely blown out again. And then there's no easier way to say it than that just knocked the confidence out of the team mm-hmm. it, it just I, I think it was almost a detriment going into the upper bracket for us mm. because i think if we would have started off against granite if we had lost that game to singularity it could have been a blessing in disguise and i think in ways it has been for singularity where we could have gone against granite no disrespect to granite but they're a team that we we would have handily taken to the to the cleaners like we would have to owed them and then all of a sudden we're going into a series versus tricked where we're on a high instead of coming into a series against Nordvind, where we're on the biggest low that we'd had been all season. Uh, do you think that then this kind of raises, I mean, it, I guess it's, it's a talk on the format a little bit as well, because you guys never obviously get to play anybody from the other group. Do you think that maybe by even having a game, like one game against BTXL in a regular season might have even helped at least kind of establish a level of where they are at? The format's changing. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I won't. I won't say. Oh, no. Are we going back to the? Are we going back to the the tower? The, the tower <laughs> FA Cup. If if the tower comes in, I won't be on that. In fact, I might <laughs> I'll just be a pundit because I'm not. I'm not managing in a league like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure Lee's been advocating this. Actually, Lee's been yeah. saying about this, talking to all of DreamHack. Say, you know what, you know what was really good? LVP did this tower format. It was really good, DreamHack. I was thinking about this the other day. Actually, I, I've been going on runs quite a lot recently to pass the time and. um I was thinking, we had LVP, this this organiser who, who just made Spain into what it is. They came in with all these promises. And then, you know, they could have really made the UK scene into what it what it could have been, a massive league. And they waste it on the tower format. <laughs> and then they say, this isn't financially working out for us. And it's like, of course it's not. are <laughs> delivering the worst product I have ever seen. Yet Spain has a real format and they're running away with it. I wonder what the connection is there. Cheers, guys. See you later. Oh, hello, DreamHack. Um, <laughs> like, it, it was such a waste. But no, that, there is still going to be the groups next season, but there is going to be a little twist on it. I don't want to go into too much detail yeah. about it because I don't know if I'm really allowed to. But um, I, all I can but say just is... We'll, just we'll it, talk it, about it this better. kind of season. Yeah, do you think that, that it would have been more beneficial to have had the yeah, chance yeah, to absolutely. up? Yeah, Abs- absolutely. Um, and there's always that sort of like we can never truly gauge how good Group A and Group B mm-hmm. are. We can just sort of go, well, the teams in our group are good, so we must be a stronger group than you. Oh, wait, you've beaten us in the playoffs. Maybe not. Oh, wait, they've beaten them in the playoffs. So maybe it was. Um, yeah, it is hard to gauge just how strong the other group is. The annoying thing is, is we'd scrimmed Nordovind a few times in the split and we'd beaten them every time. And then we turn up on the, the day and we lose. Like, <laughs> that's just the way it goes. But um, yeah, so... It would have been nice to have been able to play XL um, and size them up. But, 
you know, we only had the footage to go off and the footage was telling us that they were an extremely beatable team and then we turn up on the day and it just didn't work out. So mm-hmm. it's one of those. We can't, you can't truly get a, a proper size up until you play them and you realise just like how good they are in comparison to you through first-hand experience. Yeah. I mean, this could be the first time that BT win, uh, the, the well, BTXL in their I think, win. I'd it. say that. I, I, I say I'd be surprised if they didn't win. But if you remember in spring 2020, everyone was saying XL are going to win. And then yeah, well, they, they, they went undefeated. They, they literally went undefeated. Went undefeated. <laughs> and then they lost three games in a row and all of a sudden they're not, <laughs> not the champions. But um, for me, XL made the right choices in completely revamping their top side. No disrespect to Sendo or Taxa, but I think, you know, Arome and Marcoon are on a different level. Yeah. And um, I've never been a huge fan of Advian until this split, but I think he has looked quite good at support. Like every time I've looked at him as a player, I never really fancied him. And then when he went to Big Clan, he sort of stepped up in comparison to when he was on Nordwind. Um, and now he's looking like a top, top player. So for me, XL are the favourites, but you know as well as I do, Fnatic on the day can always just turn up and take their, what would it be, fifth in a row now? Would it yeah. be fifth? Sick. Like Fnatic can Fnatic can look bad and then still like just in literally in the finals. Even in the finals in like spring, you were saying like they looked bad for two of the five games as well. Like they were they were oh <laughs> two and then suddenly they were like oh yeah we should we should probably win it now and that's what yeah. they just did. They just turned up and won it. Like well now that Barrage are out, I can honestly say that I do not want an upset this season. We need the academy teams to be the ones taking the EUM spots and going forward because. As we've always said, like two spots for the NLC is an absolute joke, considering it's a, it's an amalgamation of two ERLs into one super ERL. And the fact that we have one spot in to the main event and one play-in is a big slap in the face. So we need the academy teams to go in because they're the two strongest teams. They need to go in and do the business for us at EU Masters so that we can get that third spot. I think if, if either Singularity or Nordwind manages to take one of the spots it'll be a bit of an on the day fluke and they're not going to do as well at EU Masters whereas I'd firmly believe that XL and Fnatic can go quite far into the mm-hmm. tournament and get us the, that extra spot so for me I, d- I don't want any upsets from this point forward I want XL and Fnatic to come out flying and I want them to be the ones in in the EU Masters getting us more spots for the seasons to follow that way we don't need these upsets where either XL or Fnatic doesn't make it because we can always have one of the team that's going in as the third seed Mm-hmm. So, sorry to Singularity and Nordvin, but I hope you get. Uh, I hope the floor gets wiped with you, and that the um, <laughs> the academy teams go in because they're the strongest teams that we have. And I think as well, like these teams, like they're built. These were built for EU Masters. These weren't uh, built for the NLC. They were built to potentially even want to win the EU Masters. You know? they've they, got, they built this team. They've got infinitely more budget than the rest of us. Like mm-hmm. Nordvin. Nordovin should be a team that beats us on paper. Like their budget is about five times bigger. They have a facility. They're able to house players. They're able to bring them over to Norway. They're able to bring the staff in and they're an established organization. Like they should be beating teams like Barrage and Singularity, for example, or Tricked, who have a lot less. Um, So even they are miles behind in terms of what the academy teams can offer again. So... I'm delighted to have seen that the academy teams have actually built these powerhouses to go into EU Masters and hopefully finish at least, you know, in third, fourth, at a minimum. As that's what the NLC needs. We need the academy teams to do well. Otherwise, the rest of us are just going to be stuck trying to compete with them for that third spot. Like, 
EU Masters might not mean as much to an academy team as it does to, say, the likes of Barrage or Singularity. Like, if we get into EU Masters, we're ecstatic because we've essentially done a Leicester City and, and, and grabbed it from, from a big team that's on the level of Man City or Man United. Mm-hmm. Um, until then, you know, we're at a massive disadvantage from the start of the season. We've got nowhere near as much money. We've got nowhere near as much exposure to offer. No facility, no game in-house. You know, we're, we're essentially bringing in players on on part-time to compete with these these huge professional outfits that have infinitely more resources than us. So I think our only hope of, of reasonably getting an EU Master spot is if the league gives us the third spot where we can, we can go in that way. Because if we take a, a spot off the academy teams... Yes, we go in, but we've denied a really good team from going in as well. So that's that's the danger you you run in terms mm-hmm. of how much damage does it do to the, the league if an academy team doesn't go. And then, um, at least thankfully this time around, I, I don't see Excel or Fnatic going to MSI, so I don't think we'll get any last-minute subs. Fingers crossed, at least. <laughs> true, true. Oh, no. Imagine if oh, they, no. bring, they bring in Fevren as an experience. Yeah, Fevren or Romay's out, one of the two. I mean, <laughs> oh, no, you can see it. I can yeah. see it happening. This is, this is something we brought up last season is we won a third spot, yet Riddle have got the worst seeded imaginable. And the league is just going to look at that and go, well, that's unlucky, sorry. And then Fnatic shoot themselves in the foot by taking arguably their, their star man with them to... He didn't even play. He didn't even play a group stage game. And no disrespect to Chibs, he's a lovely lad. And I'm glad his TikTok's going amazing. But he's just spent the last split on TikTok rather than in scrims. Like, what did you think was going to happen? He's he's so rusty. But I think he's I think he still has a lot to offer as a good player. But was he at the level of like trying to break into the, the top eight at EU Masters? No. No, he wasn't. So Fnatic kind of shot us in the foot. And Riddle just got hard stuck unlucky. And yeah, and Riddle did a marathon, having like twenty games in a row. Yeah, yeah, they were knackered as well. They they, they were the most unlucky team going. Like I, I remember talking to the lads about it afterwards, and they were like, it was on a different patch as well. Like mm-hmm, they had mm-hmm. to just switch over, no scrims. Like the team was shattered. Yeah, that's what Max uh, was saying last week. Play. They they literally went from the the final against Fnatic, and then the next day had to play EU Masters on a new patch with Lilia yeah. that they'd never played or scrimmed with. And who did they... They had to play against Gamer Legion, who had just... The, the split before, hadn't they lost in the final? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then LDLC in the knockout match, who were the reigning champions. <laughs> and meanwhile, on the other side, you've got poor Debu playing against, what, Echo Fox to try and get in. The, the other the side is one as well. Echo Fox. Yeah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then you've got the people at right just going, yeah, it seems all right to me. Like, <laughs> they didn't seed it. That's the that's the weirdest thing. They didn't seed the. Pl- you would have thought that if we had if we had got two seeds and we got a playing seed, then you would at least be like, okay, well that's a seed one playing side. So you put them as a seed one and you work it that think, way. But I think it, it was soft seeded where it was like, okay, there's like top half teams and bottom half teams. But they didn't really look into like what what should qualify someone as like one of these top half seeds or bottom half seeds and just sort of threw them in randomly. One side of the group you've got Riddle, LDLC, and Gamer Legion. On the other side you've got like Echo Fox, Pompa Team, and uh, Sector One. And it's like and you even have like G two Arctic on 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 A and B as well. Yeah, yeah. So it would it would have been G two Arctic who are aren't they winning in Spain at the minute? Mm-hmm. Like. Mm-hmm. It was just madness, and and poor Riddle. Like they didn't have a single like. They, they, what was it? It wasn't even like a day's rest, and then they had to play like nineteen games in a row. 
of course it, it was doomed. And then so so your hopes are resting with Fnatic to pull something out. We're already one team down. So we need them to basically get to the final. And they're like, yeah, we're, we're just top, gonna take we're top of groups, top of the group as well, Fnatic were. <laughs> yeah. And then well, we'll be all right. Let's just take our best player to China. Good luck with Chibs. Like uh, what the, the, the again, not knocking Chibs, but the, the shift in the team dynamic must have been huge. Like and the confidence of having a player that you could rely on, like Magic Felix, to all of a sudden having a player who's not played scrims in like seven or eight months, like it was always gonna end in tears. And then the league just says, "Yeah, here's your one playing spot, and here's your one main spot. Good luck." Mm-hmm. I was, I was dreading that we were going to get an announcement, and it'd be like, "Well, here's your two playing spots." And I was like, <laughs> "No, no, no, that's the dark timeline. Don't do that." The thing is, we were like, "Yeah, surely we're we're a twelve team league now. We've just been like we had more spots in the UKLC. In the UKLC, we had two spots straight into main. So we were like, okay, we have two spots straight into main." Nordics has one in main, one in play-ins. So naturally, we should get at least an extra one in play-ins. And then they were like, yeah, one in main, one in play-ins. And it's like, how have we suddenly been put on the same level as Greece and Italy? When we were, when if you look at the records, we're miles ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, yeah, that's just the way it is. It's the way it's gone. Like, Poland's a better region than you. And it's like, Poland is the most top-heavy league in EU. Like, there's the three or four good teams and then the rest of them are terrible. And and they're yeah. just like, well, that's that's just the way it gone. it's gone. Sorry. And then... It's just the logic was completely mental. I think Torok put out a post with a with a mm-hmm. huge amount of statistics showing just how well we'd done. And it's like, well, how can you justify just giving how can you justify giving one of our main spots to Greece and then giving our playing spot to to Poland? And, and all of a sudden us being a lower ranked seed than the UK seed was on its own. I don't I don't particularly disagree with like Poland because especially like no, looking I at I think even they, though they've, yeah, yeah, even though they're top heavy, like you know, success breeds success, I guess. You know, and at the end of the day, like they, they, they they've absolutely smashed it, at least from their top team. So I can understand why, you know. But I, I do get like, I've always been like, well, at least give us two groups. Yeah, but you know, we'll, we'll get most, to, we'll get to that. That was the most confusing thing for me as well. Is how are we now ranked lower than you, Kelsey, was on its own? <laughs> I don't know. Nonsense. I do want to. I do want to briefly talk about uh, just the just the playoffs in the in the sense of like, how surprised were you to kind of see the likes of uh, Kova and Granite both make it into the NLC playoffs? Because like, you look at that and that was ridiculous that these two teams weren't even meant to be in the NLC at at one point and they both made it into the playoffs. I wasn't surprised with Kova at all, at Mm. all. I think Riddle really ran it down with the amount of budget they had for the roster that they ended up with. We were dumbfounded by what they'd put together, considering this is an org with one of the biggest budgets outside of Academy. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't matter how much money you have if you don't have the staff to back it. Like, if you if you put someone in with no knowledge of League into a position with a lot of money, it doesn't matter. They don't know how good the player base is, which is one of the reasons that, say, like, Barrage and Singularity are doing so well is because the staff that they've got in knows the player base. But with, with Kova, I looked at that roster and I thought, you know, th- there's potential for upsets here. I really like Outlandish. I like how, how talkative he is. I've looked at Snurmi and Tiara, and I think the spot lane is actually quite solid. Um, Random always had good things to say about Proker. Um, and they seemed like a roster that was enjoying League. And when you've got a roster that's enjoying themselves, mm-hmm. they can take wins off the bigger teams because they, they just trust in each other and they're, they're just there having a good time. If you're enjoying your League of Legends, you can always take wins against teams that aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Granite was the biggest shot. <laughs> 
Park by a long way. Um, Zahira is one of the most eccentric players I have ever had the um, the pleasure of coming across across with. Lovely lad, but he is he is off off his rocker. <laughs> nice kid. Um, but yeah, seeing Granite make the playoffs, like I I always looked at that group and I was like, Granite are going to come come last. Like, there's no way with this mm-hmm. roster they're going to do well. Mm-hmm. So you know, credit to them. I, I listened to the podcast you had with uh, Aragon. Um, and you know, credit to him. He's he's gotten the best out of these lads. Like there was nothing to stop Granite from saying, like, "Oh, we're in the NLC now. Like, see you later, lads. Sorry, best mm-hmm. of luck, but we need to get better players." And they stuck by these players, and you know, thankfully they've been rewarded because you, you look at that team on paper and you don't think it's going to do anything, and no, it's managed yeah. to increase in the playoffs. And a team like Dusty, with the resources that they have, like they have a facility, they're able to pay full time wages, and they come last. Like that is criminal. Um, and Granite, who are playing players like what 150 pound a month, in comparison to Dusty, who are probably offering 10 times that to a player like Legions, like credit to them. You know, I, I made up for them. It was it was a delight and to see. Absolutely. I think especially in that interview as well in that episode. But anyway, it's like they were. He was honest. He he was talking about this was this was old development. This was this was 100 percent gonna be development we, we came into this and it'd be like we could have a finish last or we could finish in playoffs we'll we'll just give it the best chance we had and i really appreciated the fact that you know, that he at least he was honest it, it, like you sometimes see it like where people are like oh yeah we were always gonna go into playoffs we were always gonna have this and all that but he, he was very honest and yeah you know, it's appreciative he, to have that he came across as a proper a proper greek in esports where they just say it how it is and they put <laughs> a, a funny little twist on it but yeah, like credit to Aragon. I think he's done a fantastic job. You know, he's a coach in the past that um, I only knew briefly. Um, I, I never thought that he he was able to take that a team like that and bring them to the level they were actually at. Um, and I think he's done a fantastic job. And credit to the players as well. Um, I think Michigan in particular, like he's a player that I hadn't heard of, and all mm. of a sudden, like he he basically put in an almost rookie of the split performance. Uh, you get characters like Sahira who obviously I just said was quite an eccentric guy. Uh, and he put in some some big performances on the champions he was comfortable with. So, you know, it's really nice to see a, an underdog story like that develop where you've pegged this team to be one of the worst teams in the league and all of a sudden they're able to show that they are able to compete mm-hmm. for playoff spots. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another team that was put in a difficult position, not, not necessarily the org, but I think Godsent were put in a difficult position where they brought in Sphere late on to build the roster with not much money. And obviously the plan for them is to just sort of stay in the league. Like those two teams were in similar positions where they were just trying to battle for the playoffs where they didn't have that much resources. And I think that both the fact that both those teams have managed to avoid relegation, you know, they can they can be proud of that as a whole. So mm-hmm. credit to them, credit to the staff on board. Sevier was someone who before this split I didn't have a huge amount of respect for and I didn't particularly like, but he really won me over with the way that he took the Godsent project on board. And I've spoken to him a little bit more. It seems like he's matured, and you know, I'm I'm made up made up for him, like seeing just what they've managed to pull up off there, him and John. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just like I guess like relegation is obviously going to be a little right. bit later yeah. on anyway. Yeah. But like, what what do you think? How do you think it's going to go then? Like, because M&M like, just the M and M, M and M are going yeah, down. Do you think so? I I think that M and M have sleptwalked and they have been sleepwalking for splits now into heading into relegation. How? Did you not learn anything from last season when you nearly went? Like, you're lucky that the team that you were playing against was a, t- a team of the quality of Granites at the time. 
But you look at the teams that are coming up now, Resolve, Absolved, mm-hmm. Galaxy yeah. Racer, Bifrost, Nariki, they could lose to any of those. It, they haven't made any roster changes. Um, I, I really like Officer Naughty, and I know he's put his trust in the coaching staff to build the roster, but I don't know whether that's because Calcal at M&M or Javelin or whoever's in control of the finances hasn't backed them. I know they don't necessarily have the biggest wage budget, but even even with a small wage budget, I think that there are staff in the league that could have put together a, a more coherent roster. Or at least a couple of weeks in, should have been able to pick up on the red flags of this roster isn't working, we need to make changes. And by the time they probably thought about it, like, A, who would come and play in a roster like that in the way that they're going and the trajectory they're on? And, and B, can they afford better players? Like, I think it's a project that hasn't had enough backing. The staff mm-hmm. have just kind of let it sleepwalk into the state it is. And they are going to pay the price. They're, they're going to be in the UKLC next season if they decide to take up that spot. Because barring a miracle or a power outage in the final games, <laughs> they are going down. There's some so strong teams. There's some so, such solid and strong teams. Like obviously, like you know, UKLC. We look at that. We look at Resolve. Yeah, but that Resolve side is is brilliant. Like it, it is a very yeah. strong side. And yeah, you know, I think it has and, weaknesses, and, but yeah. I think that they have players like like right, Soft. So Soft <laughs> is yeah. a player I have tried to sign three times, and for some reason he, he just always just ends up <laughs> not going. So so this time it was between Soft and Debu. Um, we were in talks with both of them, and Soft turned around to us and said, okay, we're, I'm going to go to Dusty. And we were like, okay, yeah, fair enough. They can offer a lot more than us. And then we signed Debu on the same day. It was very close between the two of them. Um, we were in talks with both of them, and we were like, okay, if Soft's not coming, then our decision's easy. We're going to take Debu. And mm-hmm. that was a good decision for us because the roster di- ended up doing really, really well. But Sof, I tried to sign last season and the season before. Um, and the one season where he was available for me, he didn't show up very well to trials and we ended up going with Monkeys, mm-hmm. um, which I think was the right decision at the time anyway. Um, but Sof is a player that I've been very envious of. I get on with him really, really well. And the fact that he's in the UKLC just, it just it breaks my heart because I want to work with him that much. Um but Resolve is, is a big org that's on the up. Like They're doing the opposite to Eminem where they are putting this money and they are ambitious. They've got the right staff behind them and they've they've built a, f- a fair play to them. They've built a full UK team as well. So they even have the national pride behind them mm-hmm. where, you know, I'm the type that doesn't really see nationality when building rosters because I want the best roster possible. But this Resolve team looks really, really good. Obviously, I've worked with Fastleg. I've seen Yusa for a long time. I've watched Camara yeah. for a long time. I've worked with Artorius and these players are very, very good. I don't think necessarily all of them are on the NLC level, but they are pushing to get there. Um, but Resolve has a very good chance of going up based off of it's got these star players like Sof and Yusa. And I think they do have a good chance of getting promotion. That said, they're up against other hard teams like Absolved. You know, they've got the types of, of Rayhey and, and Skewed on their roster. Um, you've got Galaxy Racer who have like players like I know Monk doesn't necessarily yeah. have the best season in the NLC, but on his day, he is a, mm-hmm. an absolute terror. And you've got Dragani. I mean, I mean, when he played ADC, he's pretty good. <laughs> like, you know, so. Yeah, see, that's another terrible decision that Eminem made. Who would put Monk in mid? What are you doing? <laughs> and it's like, have you not learned? And yeah, I, I cannot see Eminem beating any of those. Bifrost is another team to watch out for, by the way, mm-hmm. an absolute dark horse. I know that they're in the group of death, but I think... I think for a Norwegian side, they are probably the strongest Norwegian side that could could have been made. So they're ones to watch out for as well. 
I um, think as well, people don't realise how big of an organisation Galaxy Racer is. So obviously this is Galaxy oh, Racer, yes, you, but they are they are a huge organisation. Yeah, th- yeah, they're a, they're a, they're an Eastern organisation. They are they are big in 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 that region. So the fact that they've actually committed to an EU team uh, to try and push into this, I I don't think I think if they do get to where else, it, 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 we could see something quite interesting yeah. to actually yeah. go through with that. It depends whether the staff want to like keep with the players mm-hmm. that have brought them in or not, and depends on their ambition. But like, if if teams like Resolve and a Galaxy Racer especially get in, then all of a sudden like orgs like Barrage and Singularity, who are like mid level in their budgets, are now competing with, you know, a, a, essentially a Manchester City that have mm-hmm. come in with a hell of a lot of budget. So it then it, it that makes life more difficult for us potentially. Mm-hmm. Which is why, you know, from our perspective, we'd rather see orgs like Eminem stay in the league because we know we're probably going to have more budget than the next season. So, yeah, I think I think it, it it's going to be it's going to be tough to say who's going to come in. I think Absolved, Resolve, and Galaxy Racer all have good chances, and we will see at least one of them in the league, maybe two, because Dusty are in danger as well. I think Dusty are a much better team than Eminem, and I think they do have the quality to stay in the league. But the fact that an org with that much resources is in the position where they are in relegations, especially considering the team they could have had, they could have had a team of Mumma, Soft, Random, uh, Rye, and Wendelbo. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have had that team, and then they pulled out late on because they wanted Icelandic representation, and all those players ended up going to other orgs, obviously. But I think a roster that strong could have really pushed the account. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And now they've decided to go, no, we're not doing that, and they've paid ridiculous amounts of money for the players that they've got now. And they've ended up in relegation. It's criminal. I think that was just suicidal. But I think they still have the quality to stay in. Mm-hmm. I think, especially with Quicksith moving into the head coach role, we've seen the sort of resurgence from Dusty. I think if they would have had that level, the whole split, they wouldn't have been in relegations. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, any team on their day, like if you look at Resolve or Galaxy Racer on their day, they could still beat Dusty. But because it's double elimination, I think Dusty have the quality to hold their spot. But I think Eminem are doomed. And I think they will go. It would take a miracle for Eminem to stay up. Mm. And they will be in the UKLC next season against our academy team. Oof. Oof. <laughs> but do, are they able to make changes at this point? Like after nope, six, six, nope, six. nope, that's it. Yeah, I tomorrow. Think the deadline... Telemasters starts tomorrow, doesn't it? The, the deadline, yeah, Telemasters, I think all the rosters are locked, but I, I remember reading an email that said, I think it was, was it the 19th? Oh, it was like, the, it was late, mid to late Feb where they were meant to make changes for uh, relegation. I didn't pay too much attention to the date because obviously it didn't really affect us. But I know that they had to make changes before the game with Dusty Mm -hmm. and they ended up going in with the same roster and there's no changes on the database so they are sticking with the same five players going into that relegation battle. And I think that is... I don't know whether that's because they weren't able to attract players. It could well have been. But they're in big trouble. In fact, I would have rather Eminem probably put their academy team in that probably have more of a chance of staying up, to be honest, um, with the way that they were playing. At least they were winning games, you know? Um, I feel like I'm banging on Eminem. Like, yeah. I want to I wanna just say, like, Eminem as an org is an org that I've watched for a long time. Like, I used to envy the, the style of players that they had. They had XD Smiley, Rifty, Larson, all, well, Rifty in his prime as well. And, and these players were fantastic. And they were always winning the uh, the ESL UK Prem as it was back then. So to see them sort of like pitter off and then they had this mini resurgence when Officer Naughty came in and started bringing in players like 
like soft Chimera and Mummus, and they were pushing towards the playoffs. But even then, they never quite hit that goal of being the best team outside of Academy and missing out on playoffs, I think, in, in spring last year when they probably shouldn't have. Um, you know, watching the way that they pitted off is kind of sad. I don't know whether that's because M&M get more out of like Rainbow Six or something like that, where they prefer to put their resources in. But um, I kind of feel for Officer Naughty. I know that it's not been his greatest season. And I know that the resources that they've been given is what's kind of restricting the team to do well. But I still think there are better decisions that they could have made in the roster build and potentially staff selection. I I, I hate seeing a, a solid UK org go down. That's why I'm I'm low-key hoping that Resolve end up coming in. Because if not, mm-hmm. then we, we had Munster Rugby as representation. We all know how that went. Um, we had Eminem as representation. The only one that's going to be left outside of the academies from the UKLC is going to be Barrage. And yeah, because like, technically, let's be honest, like you class fanatic, and as much as like like they are, they are kind of like still UK organizations. But in terms of like the academy system, they're more just seen as an academy organization. Yeah, more than we anything. we could well end up with Barrage and then nine other Nordic orgs outside of academy being mm. there, and and that's why I'm I'm sad to see an org like Eminem go the way it has in terms of league. I'm sure they're having success elsewhere, but it's just kind of you know disappointing to see what's I going do, on another world going so hopefully resolve comes in so that we have a bit more representation and for and us, I do feel like, like we like that well. rivalry we like yeah. that rivalry with Eminem but and I do feel yeah. like as well though it's like like sometimes like it is kind of just like wrong decisions have been made and sometimes it is like as like the organization as a whole sometimes it's not like the it's like downplaying that organization and kind of what that organization has done like i kind of look at like similar a little bit obviously there's different situations but like with enclave for a little bit enclave were kind yeah. of building a lot of stuff and then it kind of just dropped for them like yeah, a little I, bit. I, I now left, they've had to suffer from left that and they and started trying to rebuild i i left and uh, i left enclave, enclave. <laughs> i went to barrage and barrage went like that oh look at that um, <laughs> correlation here oh this <laughs> No, um, Enclave's a weird one. Um, yeah, so obviously I, I was on Enclave. They went to EU Masters, and then there was a bit of a di- there was disagreements between the staff, the players, and the ownership because stuff that was promised didn't materialize. And uh, I'm not mm-hmm. going to go into too much detail, but it is a, it is bad luck on the ownership side, but it still caused this rift. And ever since then, Enclave have really struggled to to hit that high. Until, you know, this season they did have a mini resurgence. They managed to make the playoffs in the UKLC. So mm-hmm. maybe they are, things are starting to go well for them and they're, they're going to start coming back on the way up. But yeah, Enclave were a much bigger org than they are now. And I know that not making the NLC uh, really knocked it out of the owners in terms of like, they were just like certain that they were probably going to get in ahead of Barrage. Mm-hmm. And then I, I said to Phil McCartney, I was like, we're probably going to get in ahead of you because of results. And he was like, no, results don't mean anything. It'll be about, you know, the plan and things going forward. And I was like, I don't think you understand DreamHack. Like, DreamHack will probably take the teams that are doing better. And he was like, no, 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 no. And then, uh, Barrage are in. (laughs) The the only thing is, I'd be more fuming if I was Enclave after what had happened with Munster. Because they can feel like they were almost Mm. robbed of a spot Mm -hmm. through feeling lying. Um, Obviously, now it's too little too late. Um, But hopefully we see Enclave make a little bit of resurgence. I love playing against Enclave. You know, they're my former organization and where I started. And I spent a lot of time there barring a brief stint at Diablis, which was was ironically hell. Um, <laughs> so, 
yeah, I, I have had my, my disagreements with Enclave purely for how things like ended, but I still I still like Phil McCartney, the owner, and I would like to see Enclave pushing in that direction. But at the minute, they are still behind orgs like Resolve and London, mm-hmm. who, who seem to be doing it a little bit better at the minute. But uh, especially if Eminem drops into the UKLC, then they're a big player in the UKLC. It's going to be become harder for them. Definitely. Yeah, and uh, just a little bit more with Telling Masters. Uh, I do have yeah. I do have to say well done with uh, to Nordavind and I believe it's like XS Success, who are literally I think they're the only two teams to have had consecutive Telling Masters. Uh, all the other teams are brand new teams which have gone through. So that's fantastic, uh, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic that we can have a whole set of new teams almost in such a big tournament. I was but just yeah, looking through uh, it then because I, I I saw it. I thought it was just Nordman, and then yeah, I seen XS Success there as well. But yeah, yeah it's like yeah, last we had like Monster Academy. You had uh, obviously Cobra and Granite. We had like Buzzkill, Unique, Viking, yeah. uh, Envision, XY. None of them. Garth Gaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and obviously I, I hope that Resolve in London do very very well in Talia. I think it's going to be harder for London, but. It depends, like what form Denvox and Anya Power in. You know, we can still see them do really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be fair, they put more of a fight against Resolve than I think was kind of expected in the uh, the playoffs. Yeah, oh, it was two good. more games that. than everyone expected. Was that was a terrific final, honestly. Mm. Um, obviously, Denvox and Yepa. Well, we had a brief time with Yepa, but Denvox was with us. Denvox didn't really pop off for us like he has been in in the league below. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm always happy to see players that have been with us go somewhere else and start becoming like that that iconic player. And Denvoxne like was definitely the best AD carry in the UKLC last split. So if if London London are in a very difficult group, I don't see them getting out of it. But if they are going to, it's going to be that bot lane which is going to bring them forward. Um, yeah, I, I hope they do well. I'd love to see UK teams doing well in Telia. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of as we sort of look towards the end of the episode um i thought we could just do the get some of the predictions done i know it's a couple of weeks for the next uh well for the, the next part of the playoffs but um i figured why not we should do them now anyway so um <laughs> we can go through those Basically, leaders are what leaders are one another guest on next week essentially so that, that's essentially it <laughs> no we'll, do it, too, fancy, we'll do it too far yeah, <laughs> yeah fancy for me to uh, to drop the guest predictions down a bit that's all, all actually right, i'll okay. um because I know you're going to ask Tom before we start um, what the scores are currently, and wait, I'm sure you'll be. Wait, wait, wait! Sorry, what are the scores? Go on. <laughs> I've got Tom. I'm in control of the spreadsheet. I can just knock a couple off if you uh, if you keep that that attitude. Um, but Tom, you'll be. Um, I'm sure delighted to hear you are currently first by a few I points am. as well. So um, I believe it through playoffs so far. Analyst, didn't he? It's just <laughs> clearly. Oh. Uh, I've got a, a, a question on that afterwards to, to ask you as well, Tom. But um, yeah, we'll come to that. But um, anyway, so you're you're right now on fifty points. Our guests are on forty-seven, and I'm on forty-four. So my lead's gone. Uh, I'm actually last now, which is a bit of a bummer. But we have been doing so. Playoffs is one win. Uh, sorry, one point if you get the right result. Two points for the correct score. Um, at least during the best of threes. Um, and so you get three points in total, like if you get the correct score. Yeah, yeah. Result. Um, maybe for the final it's best of five we can switch up a bit I think last time we did five points for that but anyway, yeah. we'll see um, but obviously a couple of games that we can do today is firstly Nordvin and Singularity um, I, I think it's I think both of the series are actually quite tough this one mm-hmm. I'd say based on sort of most of the split would I'd have probably given it to Singularity but then I don't know I feel like Nordvin have, have been sort of just getting better as the split's gone on 
and maybe with the, the sort of momentum off of obviously beating yourselves, I'd give them maybe just a slight edge. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 Nordavind. But um, yeah, I think it's one that could be close. Could easily see that go the other way. I think that this is the Nordavind that I think we were finally kind of expecting to see no. for the entire regular season. I don't think we ever saw that in the regular season. And I think, to be fair, I, I, I think you might be right that momentum might have played a part in actually kind of getting the best out of this team. Obviously, they, they played, yeah, Kova and they 2 0 the, I would say, you know, quite comfortably. It wasn't like the most, like, it wasn't the most comfortable, but it still I feel like gave them momentum. Um, but. I I can't look past Team Singularity. I think I think Team Singularity are a really really good side, and I actually see that if I in a best of if it was a best of one, I actually might have given it to like Nordovin because it could have gone that way. Because I feel like Nordovin can take a game off Singularity, but in a best of three, I think Singularity have more to them. Um, I think they have more kind of avenues as well, which unlike with Nordovin. So I'm good. I'm gonna go two one Singularity on this one. What do you reckon for me? Um, I think that group of teams, Barrage, Nordavind, Singularity, and Trek, are all sort of on the same level. And I think on a different day or in a different momentum swing, any team could have beaten anyone. So I think Nordavind and Singularity are very close in terms of skill. But I love Turok, right? I think that <laughs> I think Turok, you know, my, my year with him, uh, and I've worked with Kiao as well, I think they came to Barrage Boys and left as men, and they really are like... <laughs> Fantastic coaches, and I think that's going to swing it. And I think it's going to be Singularity 2, Nordavind 0. Mm. I'm oh. going to gamble on it. Um, yeah, I think Singularity uh, are a team that was very close to us in, in terms of skill, but now they are on an upswing. And I think I, I really fancied them in their win against Tricked. So I'm going to go 2 0 Singularity. I was going to say UK Pride, but then you've actually got two UK representatives in this anyway. Well, well, you got more well, in Singularity, but like, I'm, I was sort of basically saying you got Dragdar, and I forgot, oh yeah, Singularity have other yeah, like, I've, players. But... I've worked with both coaches as well. I've worked with Daruk and I've worked with Turok and Kiao. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of like ex UKLC players in there. I mm -hmm. mean, there's Kerberos on, on Nordavind as well. Um, so there's so much UK representation, but I just fancy Singularity in this best of three. I just think that they're going to take it. Fair enough. Um, what a rise for Dragdar that would be, though, if you think. Yeah. If that does go kind of through, from, from UK yeah. EL, which obviously were proudly presented by, to, to now potentially getting into like the semi-finals. Dragdar's a player I've fancied for a while. Like uh, It was very close between picking him up for um, Barrage in the, the previous split. It was between him and Den Voxnay. And then we ended up opting for Den Voxnay, and, and he somehow ended up in the UK EL, which was baffling. Um like Dragdar is a player with a lot about him. He's a very, very skilled lady carry. Um, the reason that we went for Denboxney over him was we were slightly concerned about, you know, he, he'd had a few illnesses in the split with, I think it was Demise beforehand. And we were like, mm -hmm. we were a bit concerned that we, we probably wouldn't get that with Denboxney. And that was probably the main reason we, we went for it. But it's good to see that he's made a recovery in his health. And now he's, he's looking like a, a hot prospect in the NLC, which is fantastic to see. Definitely. Um, just before we move on from Nordavind, I, I had a question for you, Tom, actually. Um, from what I can remember, I, 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 maybe I'm wrong, but I, this is I'm pretty sure the first time we've seen Mumus against Kerberos in like an actual best of oh. series. <laughs> um, yes, so I wonder, I wonder now, now that you've seen them sort of head-to-head -head for a few games, who's your favourite? Who's the best one? Well, I, I didn't want you to bring that up because obviously they're both <laughs> my favourites. I, I, I absolutely love Mumus and Kerberos. Um, 
yeah, I do, you know, I think that they, they, the to- two totally, you can't let me choose, <laughs> two totally different players. I, I feel like they play two totally different styles, and that's why they're brilliant. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, they definitely do play two completely yeah, different styles. Like, <laughs> I think like, if I see Mummus on, if I see Mummus on like Nasus or Yorick in this like series, I'll be like, right, something's swapped here. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's not going to happen. Or, or, yeah, I, I, but I, I think that. If you go off consistency, if I'm being honest, I think Mummus is a lot more consistent. I, I just think that, that Kerberos does has that X factor yeah. sometimes of being kind of like, he can just carry a game sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think teams with Kerberos in have to sort of play to Kerberos to get the best out of him. Whereas mm-hmm. a team like a Mummus team doesn't need to do that because Mummus is so dependable. Uh, honestly, from working with Mummus, he's, he's probably the best professional I've ever worked with. Like, mm. He's a he's a natural leader and he's always punctual and he's always striving to use the time as efficiently as possible. And it's been a pleasure working with him. And I think out of all the top laners I've worked with, he's probably he's probably the best overall that I've worked with. All of the top laners I've worked with have been relatively decent. I think Rifty in terms of pure skill mm. was probably the best top laner I've worked with. But Mummus is the most dependable top I've had in terms of both his work rate and what he gives you back. I think he'd be the first to say that, you know, his playoffs wasn't necessarily his best showing he's ever had. And I don't think, I don't think that would be unfair to say that on his behalf. But I think if you were going to give me the option of Mummus or Kerberos, I love Kerb. Like, I think he's a fantastic bloke, but I would take Mummus not a mm-hmm. hundred times out of a hundred. I think as well, you, you're completely right. But I feel like the, at least Nordavina kind of getting around that a little bit more. Like when I saw like the first game that they played and they played in Shen Top, I was like, oh, come on, this is Kerberos' first game. Get back. You don't kind of want him on like something really <laughs> supportive. You want him on that you. Kale or that Nasus. Yeah, like, exactly. Out there. You know, it was so disappointing. I, I just felt like I was so excited to see kind of this aggressive top and then it wasn't there for a little bit. But and I, but I do feel like you know that has changed like slightly, like not all the time because I don't think you can play that style all the time anyway. Because then I feel like it's quite easy to to work around sometimes. But like you know, I, I, that's why I go for singularity though because I do think that overall they are more well rounded side. I think if you are going to opt into a Kerberos team, you've got to let Kerb do what he wants to do because yeah. there's no point forcing Kerb into a position where he's not comfortable or you're going to get nothing out of him. If you put him on one of his niche picks that he thinks is definitely going to work, he's confident enough to do it and that's how you get the best out of Kerb. Mm-hmm. Like he's the, he really is the wild card out of top laners in mm-hmm. the NLC and it, it's fantastic to watch games with Kerb in just because you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Hope to keep seeing back next split for sure. Uh, I think as well, Lee. I don't know if I'm. I think I'm correct on this. I think in the last week, did I think I got like every game right and three of the results correct? I think it was. Like, um, it was. Let me double check. I think I. Um, I absolutely smashed it. I just wanted to oh, say well, how good I did last from... week. You had barrage to beat XL. Oh, apart yes. from that one. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, you got yeah. You got uh, out of the other one, two, out of the other five, you got three correct results as well. Uh, correct score, sorry. So um, yeah, not too bad. Close the gap. But um, faith in Barrage, and and that was it. You know, like too, how, how many times do I have faith in Barrage? And <laughs> it's... Like, I, I, very rare. And then next, you know, I actually say they're going to do it. And it's like I touched on before. I think if we were going in at the same mood as Nordvin, we probably would have won that mm-hmm. series two one because, like I say, we'd had scrims against them, which had gone well throughout the whole season. So I think it really was a case of Excel had knocked the confidence out of us, and that's why. 
in some ways, and I'm sorry we're going off topic from the predictions, but I've got stuff <laughs> on my right. chest. You know? um, <laughs> I think in some ways taking that gamble of, well, obviously not intentionally going into the lower bracket, but I think you run the risk of, yes, you might finish 7th, if you lose, but if you win, you are on such a high going into that next round of the losers mm-hmm. bracket. Whereas if you're the team that's dropping down, you've just been hammered by an academy team, you're on a low. And that's why I think we've seen both us and Trick lose because Singularity and Nordavind are coming in that game on a high and yeah. we are we are coming in after just wiping off the blood from our noses after <laughs> XL has smacked us in the face. Um, and I think that can play a lot in, in, in the games in these series. Especially if you lose a game, then your heads just go. Mm. Well, it, it, you have to be really mentally disciplined if you're going to come in from that upper bracket still feeling good about the series when you've got such a short turnover. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, yeah, just going to the next game then. So XL against Fnatic for the first time, obviously, this split. Uh, and we've kind of been saying, or kind of hinting that maybe XL have looked maybe a bit stronger. I think it's, they're the side that on paper were kind of given the edge before the split started. Um, but yeah, obviously, without seeing a play against each other, it is obviously really hard to actually gauge who is ahead in that. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I don't really know. I've, I've gone XL, but like, it, I really wasn't sure. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of excited to actually see them against each other and see who is actually maybe better. Uh, and it'd be kind of good. Obviously, we probably get a chance to see them twice in a row, which I don't think we've had before as well. Um, but yeah, what are you guys' thoughts? Uh, what, what, what was the score you gone for, Lee? Um, I put two one. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna go two two zero BTXL. Uh, I think they're absolutely going to absolutely going to smash Fnatic because then it's even more disappointing when they lose in the final <laughs> to Fnatic. So I feel no, but in all in all seriousness, I it's very hard. You, I actually I even looked for it play to player, and I feel like like in where BT have kind of uh, strengths, I also think that Fnatic also have strengths in other areas. So it's like. I feel like BT obviously have better, in my opinion, top and jungle. I don't think it's like a massive gap. Um, I actually think mid lane is a little bit closer because I think that Feverfin, the role he's playing, is a little bit more like facilitator, but same kind of you know, with hat tricks in that in that sense. And I do I do genuinely think like maybe edge than the bot lane, I would say, to Fnatic. So in that sense, it's so close. But I yeah, I'm gonna go I am gonna go to 2 BT because I do think that actually if BT can kind of get that lead, I, I think that I genuinely think who's going to win this game first is then going to win the second game. I don't think it's going to be one of those back and forths. I think if a team has sussed each other out, I think it's going to be quite easy then. Lads, this is a simple case of mathematics. We lost to XL twice. We only lost to Fnatic once. So it's going to be 2-1 BTXL. <laughs> That's the only data we have to go on. It's going to True. be 2-1 to BTXL. Oh, but this looks bad now because when the graphic comes up, it's going to have three BTXLs. And we're going to be like, ah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and then Fnatic are going to 2-0 it, aren't they? Like, that's, yeah, just, exactly. that's just a classic NLC. But um, at least then you can predict the final the other way because yes. now you've got yeah, the data. Exactly. So this one's just the warm up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm gonna go with statistics alone because that's all I've got. It's gonna be two one to BTXL. Yeah, that's good. I do think at the minute BTXL look the stronger of the two, but it's fanatic in playoffs. Like they always come away with it somehow, don't they? I wouldn't be surprised if they won it again. But I think BT just look a bit stronger right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, with that, is it, any other topics anyone had anything uh, on their mind before we wrap up? I do worry that we are going to go over when we are scheduled for a time, though. We always do this. 
Yeah, <laughs> we, it's quite a long, and I think we, um, the UKLC starts fairly soon as well. Um, I don't want to really clash with that. So yeah, maybe we'll uh, we'll wrap we it up. We don't know. Get out. We're gonna get out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking usually. Sorry, I'm just used to it being six o'clock on a, on a Sunday. Another two, another two I hours. Say, yeah. uh, am I, <laughs> do I need the top of Ross to get ready? Like, <laughs> um, I just want to say, like, thanks for having me on. It was a bit impromptu. I know you messaged me the day, so I am in my childhood bedroom as opposed to my, my home. So I've got the Manchester United wallpaper and my Scarface poster there. And so United are winning, so that's good. And I'm wearing my Wrexham top so it's all over the place um i just wanted to say i i love the podcast lads i think you're doing a fantastic mm, job cheers. and whenever i'm invited on I, I actually get excited to come on because it's it's always a great nice to chat it's nice to chat into yeah mm-hmm. so i hope this keeps going for a while longer i have been trying to push you guys as best as i can on social <laughs> to get more yeah i like but... your tweet was perfect if, if only <laughs> every guest did that <laughs> yeah um no, I love coming on. Hopefully, I get to come on again next season. We can talk about how we've won the NLC and whatnot. <laughs> or sure. any time, you know. Um, thanks for having me on. Cool. It's been a pleasure again. No worries. Thanks for coming I think, on again. Uh, last thing, last thing uh, is um, also, I I do want to say what we lack in, like, NLC talent going into, you know, the uh, LEC. We definitely don't lack in casters going in because, uh, you know, Fox Chopper next scoundrel. I mean, unfortunate at the, at the end of the first day, but, you know, <laughs> and then we have Goldball going in as well. Like, we'll proper smurf in it. I tell you, on as well. I'd uh, I'd much rather listen to you lads than the casters. At least you guys are always nice to Barrage and don't create this narrative of how we're always going to be crap. <laughs> that's how i feel and yeah like we can get me and synergy on you know we used to be teammates many moons ago and he can tell you about how he, he had me benched and all sorts <laughs> and we can have a good i uh, know um just on synergy while he's here um i think the ukl and the uklc has been fantastic so i think what he's done for the lower leagues as well has been mm-hmm. has been brilliant it's been great to see grassroots has never been more green mm-hmm. yeah and so, surprisingly it's quite difficult with uh with with uk grassroots especially with controversy and everything like that and i think it's been handled very well so it's like because you know no, we do love a bit of drama we do love a bit of uk <laughs> drama i think i think what him and mark must be have been doing um fantastic the ukl like to, to actually have a third tier that people are genuinely interested in and players are coming through those ranks like we brought up kz through the ukl because it was there for example, um, it's actually working, and and thank God we have that. Um, yeah, keep keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the UKL, then perfect segue. Um, the split has obviously, well, the regular season at least has just finished, so we can have a quick look at the table before we wrap up. Um, demise it didn't of... happen. The monster miracle run <laughs> didn't happen. It's Accidental good. product placement. I forgot that we were doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, unlucky Tom. Um, but yeah, well, it was it was pr- a pretty tight playoff run though, even without Monster. We see there uh, London, Nerdrage, Lucendia, Mythos, all on equal records. But then, oddly enough, based on head to heads, I think didn't even need a tiebreaker. Uh, so London just snuck it in there, along with Hive, Viperio, and then Demise finished on the top spot. But you know, sort of dropped off a bit in the last couple of weeks. So you know, it's all to play for come playoffs. Uh, and speaking of playoffs, we can have a quick look at at the upcoming games for that as well starting from um next uh, sorry next saturday so the 13th we've got demise against london and viperio against hive in uh, the upper bracket and then the lower bracket starting with nerd rage against lucendi and then uh, yeah the game's kind of going on from the next day after that the 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 main question is is i'm i'm rooting for 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 ldn london now because 
Yeah. What about if we get ever get into a situation where LDN get promoted and then they have to place London? So is it London v LDN? Is it London v London? <laughs> you know, is, is London derby? It, you know. Yeah, cool. London have got to change the name to London City and then we've got City against United. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, well, with that then, we'll uh, I think we'll wrap up that one. So yeah, thanks again for coming on through me. And, uh, always, a pleasure, mate. always a pleasure. For sure, we'll have you on next split at some point too. And then yeah, Thank anyone you. that's um, that's still knocking around on Twitch, seen a few people come in and go in. So um, yeah, do feel free, uh, do feel free, sorry, to follow the UK EL here on Twitch. Obviously, we'll be live with uh, with those upcoming games, and we're usually here uh, more or less every Sunday as well. Sometimes we do switch switch up the scheduling slightly depending on uh, sometimes with the guest. So if you if you're ever wondering about upcoming episodes, you can obviously follow us on Twitter as well. So it's ninety six on Twitter, uh, as well as on YouTube and Spotify. If you're watching and listening on there. And lastly, all of our personal Twitters are on the screen as well. So uh, feel free to drop us a follow there. And yeah, that'll pretty much do it. Thanks for watching.